Hello, and welcome to ADHD Essentials, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brendan Mahan. I'm a former teacher and mental health clinician turned ADHD coach, trainer, and consultant. I can be reached at brendan at adhdessentials.com. Here at ADHD Essentials, we help families develop the skills and knowledge needed to better manage attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? Registration is open for the next session of the ADHD Essentials online parent coaching groups. They'll be running this summer, beginning June 1st. In these highly effective groups, you will work with me and your fellow group members via online video chat to talk about all of the parenting challenges brought about by COVID-19 and ADHD. We will address managing friendships and family relationships while self-quarantining, finishing out the virtual school year, figuring out what summer may hold, and how to prepare for the uncertainty of the coming school year. We'll address everything from developing parental leadership and strengthening family connections through effective communication to overcoming anxiety and the walls of awful that affect our household. And of course, we'll learn about how to practice personal and familial self-care. And I don't mean massages and lattes when I say that. The groups will run for eight weeks beginning Monday, June 1st. We meet for an hour on Mondays and Wednesdays. One section is at 11 a.m. Eastern, and the other is at 5 p.m. Eastern. If you're interested in joining, go to ADHDessentials.com slash parentgroups, or email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. That's brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, at ADHDessentials dot com. Or you can check the show notes for a link to the registration page. And while you're looking at those show notes, click on over to our partner podcasts, ADHD Rewired and Hacking Your ADHD. They are phenomenal resources to help you get your ADHD back on track. And finally, a big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies, who did the heavy lifting on this episode like he does on so many. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking to Inger Colsey. Inger is a social worker and an ADHD mom of an ADHD kid. In today's episode, Inger and I discuss attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and the African American experience. She shares with us the cultural challenges of mental health support for Black Americans, what it's like to wear a mask of normalcy as an ADHD person, code switching, and how she navigates being a parent with ADHD of a child with ADHD. All right, let's get rolling. So my name is Inger Colsey. I am a therapist. I'm a mom. I'm an ADHD woman and an advocate for people that have ADHD. And we met not that long ago, back in November at the International Conference on ADHD. You and a couple of other Black women were sitting there with Renee Brooks of Black Girl Lost Keys, who is a friend of mine. And I was just excited to see Renee. And also I've I'm making an effort to have, you know, voices that are not just white on this show. Um, so I was excited to be able to sort of hit everybody up and be like, come on my show. And I've got, of the four women there, I have uh, spoken to everyone 
and I've got two of you on and I've one more to, to get, not counting Renee, who's already been on twice, three times. So I, I guess like sort of what, what was that experience like for you? What was the conference like? What brought you there? What was the moment of having a random guy wander up and yammer about his podcast? <laughs> so the conference was, it was amazing. You know, I had no idea. A, that they even had a conference about ADHD at all, let alone like it was at the 10th annual. So what happened for me was that uh, I go to CHAD meetings, uh, children and adults with ADHD meetings, because my son uh, was, was diagnosed with ADHD about five years ago. And I was looking for a lot of information for him, uh, not always so easy to get, but I did come across CHAD and I go to the meeting. They also have adult meetings. I was not diagnosed until actually about six months ago, but when we did the questionnaires and screenings for my son, I realized as I'm filling them all out, that I was like, oh, you know, that's you. <laughs> so I went to an adult chat meeting and there was an offer to um, have some coaching done at the conference. So I, I was like, okay, I'm up for that. And when I started coaching um, with a man, Cameron Gott, he's been like amazing for me it became apparent that how the ADHD was affecting me and uh, keeping me from living my best life because putting on a mask every day uh, to try to not show that you have ADHD, that you are disorganized, that you're, you're running late, that things don't come as easily for you, to try not show that to the people in the room all the time. I didn't realize how taxing that was on me uh, until actually that moment in the conference, which is kind of odd because it was in a room full of people I didn't know. And you were being coached by Cameron as a workshop. Like you and Cameron were there in front of an audience and he was coaching you and sort of walking you through some of these observations about ADHD. Exactly. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting to have a huge revelation about yourself in a room full of people that you don't know at all. Uh, it was actually interesting too, because that room full of people were all uh, basically white women, uh, middle-aged white women that were there you know, to get the information from the conference. And I met Renee at the conference. I didn't know her ahead of time, but when I saw her in the space, as I have uh, noticed her online, she's the only black woman that had any type of real presence online. When I saw her, I just kind of ran over and hugged her. And we became fast friends. So when you saw us sitting there, you know, our relationship was just blooming. But because, you know, we were in the space, it seemed as though it was just like the four black women in the space as we were together and not a lot of other people of color at all. And it became apparent to me, you know, in this huge conference, was it four days, 10 hours a day, all those great breakout sessions that there were any there wasn't really a big minority presence at all and there's a lot of people that have adhd of color you know where we need the representation and the information and where's that coming from because i don't even think any of the presenters maybe one was or two were people of color so that just became apparent to me and a void that you know we really need to fill everyone that i've spoken with and i've spoken with all of the four women who are at that table i've spoken with all of you since the conference and all of you have voiced that same idea in one way or another. And all of you are also talking about doing something to address that need in one form or another, either working with Chad to create sort of an arm of Chad that is aimed at the African-American community and taking steps to, to help support minority populations get the information that they need. You mentioned that you didn't even know there was a conference until 
a few months, it sounds like a few months prior to the conference even happening. And so how do we get, how do we get that information out there more effectively is, is pretty critical. Exactly. So it's, yeah, as you, we were saying that table that you came up to, that's actually what we were discussing. Again, I didn't really even know that they had a conference and that there was anything extra that needed to be done. So I actually got everybody together and said, hey, like, what are we going to do about this? Like, this is not okay. So we were brainstorming in that moment in the conference about what it is to be done. And we've been brainstorming ever since trying to figure out ways to be able to do things. Renee has been talking a lot to the chairman of Chad. Uh, another woman and I, you know, have been doing, well, she's been doing some more things with Ada. I plan to do both. I'm going to be, become an ADHD coach uh, and advocate for people of color to be able to get the information and the support that they need and to realize that they can be seen and be themselves and it's okay to have ADHD because I think that a lot of people of color don't understand a what ADHD is and there is an issue in the black community about taking care of your mental health and what that means and to be able to see some people of color in the space that are being successful that are giving you the information and access is a way to get the word out in a a way that can be effective and overarching so some of us are talking about you know newsletters podcasts youtube channels you know different ways to be able to reach people that are out there. You mentioned that there's an issue in the African-American population around mental health. What is that issue? What does that look like? So, you know, a lot of times when you grow up, anything that is like a mental health issue, you can go to your church, to your pastor to take care of that, or that it doesn't really exist. You can just kind of pull yourself up by the bootstraps because it's looked at as a weakness, not as, you know, it's actually a health issue. So with that, there's a lot of times when people don't go to access like the psychiatrist or a therapist, they don't even know, you know what goes on in there. And a lot of people that are therapists or psychiatrists are not people of color. A lot of them are white or just not black. And the fact that, you know, sometimes not being able to understand our culture and where we come from, I mean... There's times where, you know, Black people were experimented on. The Tuskegee Project, you know, which makes things where, you know, people are wary of even getting any help from the mental health community. So sometimes I think that people think that your health is from your neck down, you know, and and your head is like a different space. So to bring into the community, A, that it's okay that a lot of people have uh, mental health issues and that there are things that can be done about it, you know, that you can take care of it. You can live a successful life. It's not always medication-based, but if you need medication, it's okay to take that also. You know, that'll help you to live a good life. So to bring that into the community in a way that's accessible, that doesn't feel like it's people just talking down to you and not understanding where you come from, but speaking with people and partnering to have a a good relationship with their mental health. And you yourself are a therapist and and a social worker, and I... I imagine that's a component here too, right? Because I'm, I'm sort of playing with the metaphor because I do everything as a metaphor in my head. And so I'm thinking about how when I work with folks who have ADHD, a lot of them have gone through mental health clinicians who do not have ADHD and are like, they don't get it. Like they just don't understand what I'm experiencing because they don't have ADHD. And then they meet someone like me who has ADHD and there's an understood life experience that makes everything go faster. 
correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would imagine that there's a similar phenomenon when you're black, where I, I as a white guy, I don't have that life experience. So I can't fast forward through it. I have to sort of hear those stories and kind of, in some ways, waste some time. I mean, it's, it's critical for me to know it and for me to learn it. And in that case, it's worthwhile. But if I were, if I were a black therapist, we wouldn't have to spend two months with me figuring out the black experience because I would have lived it. And so it would take maybe a week or two for me to figure out specifically what's going on for you. Is that a phenomenon that's also affecting mental health for, for people of color? Absolutely. So, you know, there's the human experience, which obviously we all have, and that's important. Right. But inside of that, you know, there are different cultures where you, you have different experiences. So there are things that can be unsaid that we just understand how, you know, you're perceived in this world or how you're operating in this world. So we don't have to, like I said, we don't have to go through the education piece of that. But there are times when, you know, you get a therapist that because they don't have ADHD, if you have ADHD, then they don't get it. And they can give you, well, you're not really supposed to give advice from your therapist, but they will point you in a direction of, you just need to try harder. You just need to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Maybe if we do these um, things where it's punitive, especially for children, like, so, you know, just give them more discipline, things like that. Versus if you understand ADHD, you know, to look at in a different way where praise is the way in order to get uh, people to do better and to give them a better chance at having a better life than just to do discipline or, you know, to try harder to just try to, you know, you know, not giving you a pair of glasses to be able to see, but just ask you just to squint and try harder. So when you have that, where somebody already understands the experience of you being a black person, so you don't have to go through that layer. And then if you can get a therapist that also is a black person with ADHD, you don't have that layer and you just can get to work. So What's interesting is being a therapist, you know, I've been a therapist for 10 years. I'm looking at my clientele now and through different eyes, you know, of my new diagnosis and a few of the women that I have, they have ADHD. And we've had so, the reason why we were able to connect and move forward quickly is because of that. I think I knew it underneath, but with the new information that I have, we've been able to really move like lightning through a lot of the issues that they wanted to tackle because tackling it in a way that works for somebody with, you know, that unique frame wiring we all have with ADHD, it helps. And to be seen, it, there's nothing like being seen and seen for who you are. And so when we were in the conference, that was what was so apparent to me, what was so lovely and loving and, you know, just kind of really brought it all full circle for me. So to be able to give that to other people that don't even know that it's there, it will be amazing and just really move the needle forward. That being seen about the conference comes up with everybody that I talked to who went there. Just the fact that you go to the ADHD conference and you're allowed to have ADHD for, for some people the first time in their lives where you could wander into a conversation and, and drift out having said four words or a hundred thousand words or no words and nobody's bothered that you didn't wait your turn to talk and that you left when it got boring who cares if you're on time to a workshop, to the conference itself, to dinner? Like there's just a lot more patience and understanding with the foibles of ADHD. And so that being seen and that feeling of belongingness, I guess, is pretty significant. It sounds like that's what you're hoping to foster within the ADHD community itself is a, a similar feeling of belongingness for African-American folks and people of color. Exactly. That's exactly what I want to do and you know, what I'm going to do because it's so needed. 
there's nothing like having to put a mask on every day first to hide your ADHD because you just feel so awkward <laughs> at all times and sometimes the perception and we have to look at as a person of color the perception you know especially being a woman so if you're assertive you don't want to be too assertive because then you become the angry black woman and then if you're meek and mild then you know you can get all you know run over because people aren't taking you seriously because you're a black woman so to be able to find you know somewhere in the middle there is very very difficult and very very tiring and you know in my life i most of the time i'm surrounded by white people which is fine but the you know it just the switch just flicks on and i don't even realize it's happening sometimes i just realize that i'm tired so to be able to bring that to people where it's like you don't even have to do that i mean we do it as a part of protection because if not you know I still have to have a job, I still have to live my life, I still have bills to pay, and I still have a son to take care of. And so, you know, we have to be safe as far as that's concerned. But to be able to be seen and allow yourself to be who you are and still be able to do the things you need to do is important. And if I can bring that to, you know, even a few people, it'll be well worth it. And really, this is code switching, right? Yes. And let me know if I get it wrong. But it, the idea of code switching is, is pretty much behaving in one way in the dominant culture, sort of the way the dominant culture would expect you to behave as a person, as a member of the dominant culture. And then you, then you go back to your own culture and there's different cultural norms and expectations that you're following in, in your, your culture that is not, that is a subset of the dominant culture, I guess. Am I understanding that correctly and explaining that even close to okay? I feel like I tripped up a lot. <laughs> That's okay, because you know what? It is actually, it's very, uh, it's a layered and nuanced thing. So it's not something that's so easily, you know, defined. You have it right where, so it's not that you're not being yourself. You know, I'm always myself and who I am. It's more that it's always just like a little thought about like how you're perceived, you know, what's going on, like I said, in the dominant culture and how they're feeling about it. Like sometimes I have to take, the dominant culture's feelings in front of mine or like what they're thinking. So sometimes even when people are trying to uh, be nice or try to be on your side, you know, sometimes I've had where, you know, maybe somebody said something that's, you know, not so nice, uh, you know, racially motivated and my white friends will be with me and I'll be like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And it's like, well, now that you're sorry that it happened to me, now I have to like worry about your feelings about being sorry. You know, as opposed to, you know, it comes about that as uh, opposed to what just actually happened is that somebody said something racist and that's all that happened. So, you know, you always have to look at, you know, how you are in the space and how you're being perceived and, you know, what that means for, like, again, you don't want to, you know, you can come off as the angry black woman if you're the, a bit too assertive with education. Sometimes, you know, when you're educated, it can become where, you know, you become a threat. And if you're, if you're a little awkward and you say some things and you could become like the person that, you know, doesn't know anything and that we're, you know, it's really a marginalized population, more like a stereotype. So always kind of walking that line to try to appear normal or as the same as, as other people, it, that's what code switching is. So there's that layer. And then to try to, to appear as normal and uh, as the same as people who are neurotypical, you have that switch. So by the end of the day, you're tired. It's very tiring. That's a ton of perspective taking. I do this thing 
what is that person going to think of me when I do this thing, whatever that action is. Mm-hmm. And as a white guy, I have to only worry about how am I going to be perceived when my ADHD makes me do this thing, right? Like when I did the thing that, how is that going to reflect on me negatively because I talked when I shouldn't or got overwhelmed or whatever the case may be. But as, as a black woman, you've got more layers than that. You've got one is the ADHD part. Two is how is this, how am I being perceived as a black person? How am I being perceived as a woman? How am I being perceived as a black woman? Is any of this, and I imagine, tell me if I overstep, feel free to shut me down on this one. And I I imagine there's some component there too of like, almost how are other black women going to be perceived as a result of me doing this thing? Is that in there too? That's in there also because, you know, as people of color, as black people, it is. So, you know, because the stereotypes are so pervasive that when you're appearing in a space, it is, you know, how you appear because you're going to be, you know, maybe you can be not the stereotype or they're going to perceive you as a stereotype. I've walked in spaces where they'll say, oh, um, because my name is Inger. They don't think that I'm black. <laughs> so I stood up and I will say, Inger, it's like, oh, yeah, that's me. And then I'll begin to speak. And people have said, you're so well spoken. Well, you know, what does that mean? <laughs> so, uh, you know, you have to, you know, show up and be who you are, but be that in a way where, you know, you're not going to be perceived as a stereotype, you know? So there's just like so many layers to it. Like, again, it's just really tiring. And I, I, you know, I keep saying that because it's something that, you know, for like, for you, it's something you don't even know what you don't know. So how would you know this? Right. You know, managing that also for people, it's like, you know, more to do. (laughs) I try to do that. I try to recognize how I'm representing myself as a white man, right? Like I try to, you know, I don't know that be nice to people is enough, but to, to try to like make an effort to not be an asshole and to not be like making assumptions and, and talking over people and, and things of that nature. I, I probably suck at the not talking over people because ADHD and I talk for a living. So maybe I'm not that great at that one, but I, I try to pay attention to the things that, that sort of my gender and racial identity expect me to suck like the ways that i'm supposed to suck i try to not suck in those ways i think is what i'm trying to say to my way of thinking everybody should to some not to a toxic level but to some degree be paying attention to am i being aware of other people's needs and other people's perceptions so that i'm sort of doing it right and i'm not steamrolling people but that's not the same as what you're describing what you're describing is this like toxic Empathy is not the right word, but I'm not coming up with a better one. It's a toxic perspective taking that's overwhelming. It's, it's more than you should have to do. You should be able to have a strong feeling about something and stand up and be angry. And that doesn't mean that you're like, oh, now you're just the angry black woman forever whenever that person sees you. That shouldn't be how it works. So, yeah, and it's not necessarily, I won't even say it's toxic because I, th- I find that most people are well-meaning and wonderful, you know, people of all cultures. I don't run into... You know, like overt racism all the time. It's more that, you know, people's perception, your perception is your reality. And through all the stereotypes and the things that you've heard, and when you look at the news and they'll show, you know, all these like murders or killings and things like that, and they'll show all these people of color, those things add up for people. So that when you come into a space and you don't even have to, you know, st- like stand up for yourself, it doesn't have like a big stand, but 
when you speak and you're direct, you know, you know what you're talking about. If you can, sometimes when you say it and it's, uh, you know, a little louder, yes, it's like you're, you're the angry black woman where you could say, you could say the same exact thing and the same exact level and tone, and you'll be considered just an assertive, you know, powerful man. You know, if I interrupt, you know, which I do because I have ADHD, then, you know, I, I have, you know, like, I don't have any training. Like, you don't, you don't know how to be in this space where if you interrupt, it might be like, oh, you know, Bren's just having an off day. So, you know, it's that perception that then builds and builds and builds so that when you're in a space, you know, maybe in your work environment, like if you happen to work in an office, you know, how they're perceiving you, oh, well, we don't want to promote, you know, that person because, you know, she's, she's the angry black woman or we can't promote her because if you try to dial some of this down, she's timid. She's too timid to be, a, you're not taken seriously, you know, and then the nuances that are all in between. Because again, there's sometimes that you have to manage other people's perspectives when they're just trying to be uh, helpful or they're feeling a way where, you know, they feel that they're trying to help you because you're marginalized. And, you, you know, that term marginalized, you know, that also is like a double-edged sword, you know, it's like, you don't have to pity me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes that's, you know, how it feels, but people are well-meaning in their, their approach and the way that they're feeling. But then, then sometimes they have to manage their feelings inside of that too. So circling this back to ADHD, Mm -hmm. because I see a ton of correlation here where if you go to work and you reveal that you have ADHD, then you're running the risk of everything that you do. Every mistake you make is, oh, well, that's because they have ADHD and you're getting sort of that marginalization that sort of blown off or, or there's no middle ground and see like everything is one extreme or the other extreme you're messing up because you have ADHD or, well, yeah, of course they've got a lot of energy and can do all this stuff. That's their ADHD. And, and that sort of frames every encounter. If you're a person of color, then you, there is no, I'm just not going to mention that I'm black and not, and not disclose that because it's just disclosed. It's just everybody knows. And it sounds like a similar phenomenon is, is going on. Am I, am I understanding this correctly? You are. So, you know, obviously when I walk in a room, I'm a black woman first and that's great, but that's always going to be the first thing that comes to the room and the first thing that people are going to think about. And then, you know, you walk into your room with your ADHD. So you can disclose or not disclose. So when you don't disclose and you're trying to hide it, it becomes so difficult. And if you do disclose, then it's the fact that people don't have the education. So they just are assuming what ADHD is. So when they're assuming what things are, then they're making up stories about, you know, who you are and what's going on. And that also happens, you know, when you're a person of color, people are always just making up stories about what they think that that means. So that's where they intersect the most. And it can be where you're not even, sometimes people are paralyzed to take a step about what they need to do because you have all these different things going on. And the way you're perceived in this world is, you know, that can be the difference between being able to pay your rent and not being able, you know, to walk around the street or not. That's where those things intersect. It's a lot for people and people need to have the resources and the information to be able to dissect these things so that they can live a better life. I agree. And let me know how I can help make sure that those resources get known and get spread because it's critical that that happens. And for you personally, because you're a mom with ADHD of a kid with ADHD, what does that look like? That's been very interesting. (laughs) 
So my son was diagnosed about five years ago. He was diagnosed with ADHD. And as I mentioned, when we filled out the, all the paperwork and the forms, it was like, oh, so that's you. So you probably have ADHD. But I was so busy trying to help him to be successful in school. I never even sought out any type of help for myself. But being a mom with ADHD, all the paperwork that they give you, um, IEP meetings and things to sign and managing his ability to um, like see therapists and be successful in um, extracurricular activities as well as homework and the homework struggles and you know, making sure that assignments are due was hard because I kept you know, trying to focus on all the things he needed and then trying to focus on anything that I needed. It has really been a struggle. Now he's in high school and, you know, we're managing a bit better because I've been using the resources that I have gotten from Chad from, and from your podcast. Thank you. <laughs> you know, people around me, I think a big thing is that people isolate. I think a lot of people think it's just the struggle they're having with their kids. It's just you. It's just you. And they don't reach out and they don't know how to say to their, especially their neurotypical friends, that my kid's having a problem. My kid's having struggle. You know, my kid, we have to argue about, you know, the homework for five hours because your friends will say, oh, no, you know, my, my little Johnny, he's able, he's in honors classes and all these different things. And you're like, we're just trying to make it through, you know, algebra <laughs> so we can graduate. So, you know, that, that becomes a big struggle. And again, you're trying to manage your own perception of who you are and manage your kid. It's a lot of work. It's been something that, you know, we've had to manage and we've come up with some really great strategies to be able to have it so that now that he's in 10th grade, he's being successful. He's not sure he wants to go to college now. He's probably going to go to tech school. So, you know, that's also been a thing where you're, if your kid is the kid that wants to go to tech school and all your friends' kids are, you know, fighting it out, like who's going to what Ivy League school and where you stand in that for your kid, like it's okay if, you know, he wants to be an electrician now and that's okay. You know, in your little awkwardness of your ADHD, my ADHD myself, you know, that's been interesting too. That trade school stuff is, is it's interesting to me that, that that conflict because we need more tradesmen and it's, there's nothing wrong with being an electrician or a plumber or a carpenter or whatever the case may be. But I, I understand that, that pressure too, that this, it's sort of like keeping up with the Joneses a little bit. I kind of hope my kids go to trade school because I'm like, well, they'll have less debt and they'll make more money faster. And so why is it a better plan to go be a lawyer? <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go be a lawyer, go be a lawyer. But if you want to do a trade, then you should do a trade. And it's just very interesting where people stand on that and how people will, well-meaning, say, yeah, so you're not going to make him go to college, you know, especially since, you know, I have a graduate degree. He, and his father has a graduate degree also that, you know, oh, you're not making him go to college. It's like, no, I'm not going to make him do anything because I know when I went to college, long story short, it took me eight years to get out of undergrad. I never stopped. I went summers. <laughs> My parents kept paying. And I love them dearly to this day. I'm so grateful. But it, because I wasn't ready, I had ADHD and I didn't know I had ADHD and I'm old enough where they really, nobody was aware of the diagnosis and it really was figure it out you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, really, and how that manifested in the resilience that I have. Part of me really thanks God that that happened because, you know, this ADHD, but, you know, that thing between is it a, a curse or is it a blessing? 
you know, I fall in the middle, but for me, the blessing is the resilience that it has given me. So, you know, being the ADHD mom and ADHD kid, it was hard, but I know I had the resilience to be able to, you know, stand for my son when you're sitting on a table and it's like you and your husband and then 12 other administrators on the other side of the table to stand up for him in that way that, you know, that matters because I have that resilience and that resilience definitely comes from being a woman with ADHD and all the time having to just figure it out. I agree. One of the benefits that I've had as a side effect of my ADHD is completely that resilience. That's that's critical. I think I'd, I'd still trade in the ADHD tomorrow if I could. But yeah, that the strength that you get from it, but just because you've messed up more and you've, you've kind of tripped and fallen more and we get a lot more lessons <laughs> as a result of that, that it's useful. How have you found that being the mom with ADHD has affected your parenting of your kid with ADHD? Being the mom, it's allowed me to be softer. So when you see yourself and your kid, I think as we all do, you know, when, when my son is doing, you know, that thing of just being stubborn to be stubborn or when he can't get it together to get the homework done on time, <laughs> when he can't get out of the door on time to get to school, the number of detentions I got for being licensed. <laughs> there must be a, you know, a record that he may break um, before high school's over. And it's funny, he goes to the same high school that I went to, where I still live in the same neighborhood. So uh, they would have the records, I guess. But I understand where that comes from. And I understand, you know, what's going on for him a lot. And I can be a resource for him or a sounding board. I can be the one who's compassionate, you know, when things just aren't going right. And he knows that he can just be and be whatever people might perceive as different or off or, you know, when he interrupts, it's like, it's okay. So to be that person for him has really been uh, great for me. And has given us a relationship that I'm not sure we would have without the ADHD, the both of us having ADHD. So I am really grateful for that. And again, the resilience part. So it's really funny you say that about like, would you trade it in? I think about that and it's like, you know, I don't know, but you know, this is who I am and I'm so happy with who I am that, you know, I can run circles around, you know, a lot of my friends because the energy I get from the ADHD is amazing you know, the resilience is amazing. The, the way that I problem solve, which is really something I've had to do for my son, is something that, you know, I think is of epic proportions. <laughs> in order for him to be successful, I've had to do a lot of problem solving on the fly that I know comes from the ADHD. And I guess I'm assuming I wouldn't lose those skills. I just would remember stuff better and have a better understanding of time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so maybe I don't want to trade it in. <laughs> <laughs> So just being mindful of time, speaking of time, do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with the audience? So, you know, as I just spoke in the end, as it is something that we have to deal with all the time, how the ADHD like weaves itself in and out of your life at all times, it's okay. It's okay. I think that a lot of people don't really, you know, give themselves that self-compassion where it's all right that you're late sometimes. It's okay that I talk in a, uh, all over the place <laughs> and sometimes, you know, have to go a long road to get my point across. And it's okay to be a person that has ADHD and it's all right in the world. Hey, you're still here. Nice. 
thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com, and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need. Thank you.